0: This is a service of darkness. It's a night that is somber and holy. Darkness is one of those images that is powerful and one that we're familiar with, whether you are a small child afraid of the dark because you don't know what is going to be found there. Or whether you're sad. Sadness is we talk about darkness in our sadness. You remember the old Simon and Garfunkel song with the line, Hello darkness, my old friend. But darkness we use to describe our loneliness when we feel rejected and on the outside of friendships when when our friendships don't make sense. Darkness is what we use to describe when sin grabs a hold of our heart and doesn't seem to let it go. Those sins of envy and lust and greed. And anger. We feel that a darkness has fallen upon us. It's darkness when we get the news of cancer. Darkness when a parent dies. Darkness when we lose a job. It's darkness when we see the atrocities in our world in a place like Syria, or when we see a child that is trafficked. And we've Seeing now that at the culmination of Jesus' story, the culmination of His entire life, it was dark. I don't know if you picked it up when Nathan was reading, but here's what he read in verse 33. And when the sixth hour, which would have been noon, had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That would have been about 3 o'clock. Now, we remember when Jesus' life began, it began with light. There was a star that shone over Bethlehem that shined out brightly even to get the attention of wise men in the east and draw them to the Christ. The angels came and shone out in the night sky for the shepherds like the stars and sang His praises. And yet, at this moment where Jesus' glory is most fully on display, it's dark. The darkness seems to have settled in upon him which is odd because it's noon it's springtime you would have expected the sun to be bright and warm and yet what we're told is that a darkness has descended over the entire region and it's not simply the darkness of a storm what we're led to believe with mark is that this is actually a darkness that that originates with god a supernatural darkness it may have started with storm clouds coming in, but everyone who stood by and watched this man on a cross knew that God's the darkness of God's judgment had fallen. And these are people who, who would know about God's, about God's judgment coming in darkness. They knew their Bibles. They knew that when the people of Israel were in Egypt, the ninth plague that God brought on the people of Egypt was darkness. For three days, the people of Egypt couldn't see anyone else. It was a sign of God's displeasure and His anger at their injustice and slavery of the people of Israel. And we find out that this is a supernatural darkness because of two little details. The first one is, the people of Israel didn't have darkness. And the second one is, even in the Egyptians' homes, they couldn't even light a candle or light a fire. This was a darkness that was It was God's darkness, we might say. And so now, at the cross, for three hours darkness falls over the land. And the reason Mark tells us this is not to just give us a sense of the scenery. He tells us this to show that this is is a darkness that settles in on the land and it settles in on Jesus' own soul. Can you think of a more haunting scene? Then, this dark midday, a man up on this stony hill, nailed to a cross, stripped basically naked, hunched over, heaving with every breath. And in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that despair, he cries out. Verse 34 said, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and Mark records this for us in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, Lamech, Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is quoting David in Psalm 22. And I want us to just spend a minute pondering this question that arises out of the darkness of Jesus' heart and of this place. Because I think this question encapsulates for us both the tragedy and the beauty of this gospel that Jesus came for. So let's look at this question beginning at the end. First of all, it's a question. It's not a statement. John, when he writes his gospel account of the end of Jesus' life, he records the final words of Jesus as being that defiant, victorious statement. It is finished. No doubt John was thinking of his own disciples and thinking that they needed to be reminded of Jesus' finished work and the power and the completion of it. But Mark is focused on the question. Typical of Mark... Mark focuses on Jesus' humility. Jesus' humility is always brought to the forefront. It's as though what Mark is saying by giving Jesus' question as his last words... It's as though Mark is saying to us, look, Jesus is not some sort of sage or some only some teacher who has come down from God to exist above humanity to come and to give us all the answers to every question that we wanted to know. One who is separate from us, who just speaks to us. That's not Jesus that Mark sees. The Jesus Mark sees is one who has entered into the fullness of our human experience. The confusion of it. The circumstances that seem out of control. The pain of it. And yes, even the questions of it. Jesus asks our questions for us. We're told He even sits right now at God's right hand interceding for us. That that's part of what He has done is come and He's asked the questions that are so Needful for us. And it's not just any question, it's a why question. I mean, this is, we humans ask why questions. This is what separates us from animals. We want to know why things happen, we want to know the purpose and the meaning of things. And that's what Jesus asks Why have you forsaken me? Frederick Dale Bruner calls this fact of the why question strangely liberating. To know that Jesus, the Son of God, asks this question. Jesus isn't pretending here. He's not acting like He doesn't know the answer and He's just asking it for our benefit. The question that He asks shows the authenticity of the Incarnation it shows that though Jesus knew the rightness of the path that God had Him on, He also also experienced something that felt so wrong. The wrongness of rejection. The wrongness of the pain. The wrongness of the abandonment that He was experiencing in that moment. Yesterday, On Thursday, Jesus was in Gethsemane and He asked a different question to the Father. Does this really have to be the way that it is? He asked the question of the Father's will. Do we have to do it this way? But here, it's not God's will that He questions. It's God Himself. Why is this happening to me? Jesus the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, equal to the Father in power and glory. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and yet He asks the question, why? Look, that has to be dignifying to the why questions that you ask of God. God can handle your why questions. The questions of why things are happening the way that they are. Why they're not the way that you want them to be. But here's the thing. If you're going to ask the why questions of God, you have to be prepared to not get an answer like Jesus. Because He doesn't get His question answered here. That's part of the thing here. His question is, is not just a question, not just a why question, but it's a question about His forsakenness. Why have you forsaken Me? And His asking of the question, it says, though heaven has shut its doors to Him. Because the only response that Jesus receives to this question is darkness and silence. See, not only had darkness descended upon the land, but darkness was descending upon Jesus' own soul, His own heart. You know, Jesus, in His teaching, had warned people had warned us of the consequences of sin and rebellion against God. He had said that those who rebel against God will be cast into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And yet, in this moment, Jesus Himself is being cast into that outer darkness. Walter Wengren, a writer, writes about this, says, He says, the darkness that covered Jerusalem from noon until the middle of the afternoon is nothing less than the damnation of the Messiah who wails and gnashes His teeth in utter solitude on that cross. In this moment, Jesus entered hell on the cross. Now, some people in saying that might ask, how, is, how can that be? How can God the Father turn His back on God the Son? How can He abandon Him? Are they not eternally united? Wouldn't that tear the entire Holy Trinity apart? But you see, right here is the beautiful mystery of the cross. This is it, that Jesus, though He was God, entered the darkness, completely entered the darkness, entered our darkness. We're told that upon His shoulders was the sin of all of His people laid, and therefore He suffered the punishment, the pain, the penalty that goes with all of that sin, he bore the full rejection and punishment of God's wrath in that moment on the cross. And so it is in the darkness that Jesus entered where his glory is most fully revealed. That he entered the darkness, into the darkness of human tragedy and injustice. That's where he entered. Into the darkness of sin and rebellion. In human hearts, that's where he's entered. Into the darkness of your own soul is where Jesus has entered. You see, Jesus' question here of God reveals his glory. Because it's a question to God directly. It's fascinating that the question he asks, he doesn't direct to God his Father. He uses that more common and familiar and often abused title that we use. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? In that moment, the intimacy and the experience of the Father's presence that he has known from eternity He could no longer feel. He could no longer experience. And yet, in the moment, he doesn't reject God. In fact, just the opposite. At the very moment where Jesus cannot feel God's presence, where he cannot see God's plan, where he cannot experience God's love for him, he turns to God in prayer he asks God a question. He approaches God. In quoting Psalm 22, he is actually, this is an act of Jesus's faith in God. By quoting this, What he's, he is fulfilling the only verse in all of the scriptures that could perfectly encapsulate the abandonment that the Messiah must take on. And so in quoting it, he takes that identity on to the fullest. In his forsakenness, Jesus shows how complete was his obedience. In his taking on that abandonment, he shows the fullness of his willingness to trust the Father's will for him. He shows his faith in the Father. It's amazing, even though he couldn't see Him, even though he couldn't feel Him in that moment. And you see, that's why we come to a service like this and we worship in the darkness. It's not just for emotional effect. We come to this darkness to be reminded that Jesus entered into the darkness for us. To be reminded that He entered into alienation from God for us. That he took on the abandonment and the punishment of sin for us. That he took on the power of death itself for us. Jesus obeyed and trusted God his Father all the way to the end for us. And it is because of this that Jesus should be worshipped. It's because of this that Jesus should be glorified and He should be honored and He should be trusted and He should be followed. You see, it is when we enter into the darkness that we see Jesus most glorified and we are most enabled to follow and love and trust Him. And there's an invitation for you in that. It doesn't matter what darkness you might see in your own life. There's an invitation for you to enter into the darkness tonight. To this moment, to let it sink in. To let the pain of it sink into your own soul that you might see Jesus lifted up and glorified. You see, if you're a child who is afraid of the dark. You need to see in the darkness that Jesus has entered in and He has conquered everything that is fearful in this world. You do not have to fear. If you're a young person who feels like the world is against you and you feel lonely and you feel angst because you don't know where you fit, you need to see that Jesus entered into the darkness of isolation, the darkness of loneliness for you. And you need not Fear that sadness. If you are weighed down by sin and by rebellion and your sin sticks to you, you need to see that darkness and see that Jesus has entered in and He has conquered the power of sin and death over you. If you fear because of bad news... Health problems. Whatever these problems are that bring this darkness into our lives, you need to see that Jesus has entered before you so that you do not have to be overcome by the darkness anymore. Because in that darkness, there is glory and there is light. Jesus has come. That's the mystery of this day. It is the saddest of days because of His death, but not just because of His death, but because it is us who were a part of that death. It is because of our sin that He has gone into the very depths and yet He is glorified in the midst of it. This is the good news of the cross and it is for you to come and to find life in. May it be so. Amen.